Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Welcome back to the house of God. I love this place. I love you guys, and there's nobody else I'd rather call family. If you don't know to this church, if you're new here, we want to welcome here to Gospel Church. I really hope this is the place that you can make home, that we, you can call us your family, and we can just live this life together and, and seek Jesus, pursue him, and just people try to call me at the wrong time, and just continue just to press forward for what God has for us, this community. And I believe that God wants to do some amazing things, amazing things, but he wants to deal with our hearts. Amen? Amen. I want to also commend you guys for being here today and not watching the NFL game, all right? We could always go back to highlights and look at scores, but we can never, ever go back in a moment with God, all right? We, we, we do not want to miss what God wants to do in your life today. I believe that the Lord is going to uh, hear the cry of his people and let them win, right? <laughs> uh, I want to thank Pastor Billy and Pastor Randy for allowing me to preach the word this morning. Um, it, it's, it's always great when somebody that you look up to can see the calling on your life and trust you and, and even just give you an opportunity to, to preach to his congregation and trust me with that. Um, and just to see the calling on my life and know that the Lord um, is doing something with me. I don't know what it is, but I'm learning as I go. And Pastor Billy and Pastor Randy has been helping me and my family kind of develop who we are in Christ and, and just continue to press forward and, and just, man, just be a launching pad for us. Uh, we had just got back a couple weeks ago from Louisiana. We went out there to uh, a family gathering conference with uh, Our Savior Church. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Um, just everything that we took in, man. I, I, I'm still just chewing up on the word. I'm, I mean, I took down notes, but I don't do much of. I'm not much of an education kind of guy. But I sit down, I took words, and I got the videos. I'm looking back at them. And uh, just the, the things that God was doing in the matter of two days, and, and I feel like it, it really spoke to my spirit. Um, and I believe it's something that God's going to do um, as we continue to just elevate and become who God calls us to be. And whether it be pastoring, whether it be evangelizing, whatever God has in store, I'm ready for it. Amen. All right, so we are going to wrap up this series of Facebook today. It's been amazing. It's been powerful. We've been hearing a lot of feedback from some of you guys, and I believe that uh, uh, it's doing something in the spirit of everyone. It's allowing you to reflect and make sure that the right things have your attention, the right things are feeding your attention, that we're communicating in love, we're communicating correctly. We're not trying to find differences, but we're trying to find what we have in common and just build from there. Amen. So the first one was with Pastor Billy. It was called Set Your Face. That was about what has your attention, right? Go on Facebook. First thing you see in the news feed, you be like, oh, smack drama. Let's go for it, right? Or you can just say, man, listen, that, that's such an awesome word or, or whatever catches your attention, right? So what's going to reflect? What are you going to see that's going to catch your attention for the rest of the day? Pastor Randy came in and followed up with the algorithm. We know how great the algorithm is, that if you see something that reflects your feeling, whether you're mad, upset, or, you know, brokenhearted, it just keeps feeding that to you, right? Keeps feeding that to you. Or if you say something, somehow, you know, the phone hears you and starts feeding you that too. So what is it that is feeding your attention? What are you speaking into existence that this phone can uh, reflect on, right? That'll preach. Man, I should have preached that one, huh? No. <laughs> Uh, then you got the third one with Pastor Billy, and it was a friend request pending, right? How do you, we choose our friends? Who's in our circle? Who's going to champion this thing with you? Who's going to pick you off the ground when you're in the middle of a battle? Those are the people you want around you that are going to speak life to you, build you up, increase you to what God is calling you to do. I know for me, when I get friend requests, I start scrolling to their news feed that I can see and be like, ooh, the person kind of negative. Nah, sorry, brother, I ain't going to be on my news feed. So how do we choose our friends? 
And then the good one is caught in comments. We all love to go in the comment section and say things we ain't supposed to do. And we act like somehow ain't nobody gonna see it. Because <laughs> it's gonna say, hey, David Avali commented on this post and I'm like, ouch. God knows I've had my fair share of getting checked. But how do we communicate our, <laughs> how do we communicate ourselves, right? Are we communicating in love? Are we communicating in anger? Are we just trying to feed into what that person feels or do we just learn to just fall back, wait a second, and just comment and make sure that whatever we say is edifying. And then do not disturb is let us find what we have in common, right? It's easy to find what we don't have in common and create enemies out of it. It is harder to find the goodness and what we do have in common and build on that. I got friends that are not Christians. I got friends that are Muslims, that are Jehovah's Witnesses, that just don't believe at all. I don't treat them any different. I speak in love. I speak with joy. They need to see what is different about me that they do not have. You want to make sure that at any moment you've already set up the, the, the alley-oop to dunk in with an answer, right? So make sure that you are talking in a way that you are able to communicate so that they are able to ask the questions you need without forcing it down their throats. And then today, we are going to finish with the sermon titled, A Moment I Will Remember. When we go on Facebook, as soon as you, I don't know, at least for me, I don't know how y'all Facebook set up. First thing I see when I get in there is memories. Two, three, four, five, six, seven years ago, it could be some good stuff, it could be some funny stuff, or it could be some stuff where you're like, what was I thinking, right? Or you could just be like, man, that was the hardest moment of my life. That was so bad. I never want to live it again. I never want to go through it. But if you use it wisely, you will appreciate who you are today. And I believe that what we're going to talk about today might be one of the biggest reasons why a lot of us have not stepped up to the plate to serve the church or to serve the community. Because we're still thinking about the bad things we've done instead of considering what God has done for you. And I want this to be an encouraging message to you that your mistakes are not who you are. And who you are today is not going to be who you're going to be. And that where you're going depends on how much you trust God. So we're going to go ahead and... Um, we're going to go to the book of Philippians. This is a letter that Paul wrote to this church. And as I kept reading it, man, it, it's, it's humbling to see that a powerful man like Paul that we look up to was not so arrogant and proud of who he was at that moment to say that I do not have this all together. Because we look at these apostles and we're like, man, we want to be like them. These are champions of the faith. Man, these guys are bold. We're going in. But honestly, there's no difference to us. These are, these are men that had mistakes. You can see them disputing each other in the Bible, checking one another, like, yo, bro, you should never said that, or you should never said this. How about you do this and you do that? There's tons of that going on because, again, the Bible is the word of God pertaining to human affairs, showing us how jacked up we are and how good he is. Amen? So the, book of, so, uh, so the word of God says, not that I have already reached the goal or am I already perfect, but I make every effort to take a hold of it because I also been taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, reaching forward to what is ahead. I'm going to repeat that one again. It says, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us all who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Father, we thank you. We glorify you. We lift you up, Jesus. 
We thank you, God, because you see us in ways we don't see ourselves. We thank you because you see others in in a way that we don't see others. But God, let that change today. Open our eyes to see exactly what you see about us and what we see about others, Lord. Father, I pray, God, that we learn to just love ourselves, love one another, but above all those things, to love you, trust you, see you, follow you, and believe you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we get into this, right, we're looking at Paul writing this letter. But one thing that I don't want to, I want you guys to kind of get lost here is that although he says, forgetting what is behind me, he's not saying that I totally forgot about what I did, right? There's times in the Bible where he talks about who he was, what he did, and he reflects on a thing, but it is not who he is because what he says is his calling will not be his set, or I'm sorry, his mistakes will not be his setback for what he's called to do. So his past has nothing to do with who he is. His past was just a launching pad for what God has come to do. Sometimes we have to just kind of get a little messy before God can become more clear to us. And we have to remember where Paul came from. Like, who was this guy? This man was a man that built the very church he hated. So he hated the church, and then God called him to build that church. And then we see in the book of Acts 8, we saw Paul that was giving an agreement to kill Stephen when he was out there preaching the word of God. Then we see Acts 9, 1 and 2, where he was threatening to kill more Christians. But then God came into the scene and changed it all around. And here's a quote that I want you guys to start to reflect on now. Just listen to this quote and just start to kind of just process everything. All memories can be a moment, but all memories can't be ascertained as memories. As all of them aren't stored in memory, and they aren't relatively memorable as those moments which are stored as indelible memories. In other words, these are moments that have been embedded and printed in our minds that we cannot forget whether it's good, bad, or ugly. These are moments that are embedded, but yet again, they are memories. I remember when I was younger, making mistakes, making tons of mistakes, just failing at everything, just trying to change, you know, trying to chase music and do all this other stuff, trying to be that producer, rapper, whatever. I don't know what I was thinking. I was good, but I was, yeah, God had other plans. But I was just making all kinds of mistakes. Just I forgot, I put everything aside that really mattered, being a father, being a boyfriend, being a son, being a friend. It, nothing mattered. It just became a, a tunnel vision for something that was never my purpose. It was a gift, but it was never my purpose. We got to learn to separate the two. Your gift should take you to your purpose. If it separates you from that, it's idolatry. But then there was a moment in my life Again, that was my past, but it was a moment in my life that changed everything. It was a moment that I will remember. We were at a women's conference. A a prophet came down from California, and she was preaching the word at a women's conference. And go figure, I was sitting there doing sound (laughs) for that event. And as the altar call came in, the first thing she said, she was like, I know this is a women's conference, but David, I have a word for you. I need you to come down here so I can pray. That was the first time in my life where I've ever felt such an anointing of a prophetic word coming out of someone's mouth, and that today, as I reflect on it, it is starting to come to life. There are those moments in our lives, and I believe that for some of us, today is that word, that I believe that God's already speaking to your spirit, that today will be that moment that you will say, today is a memory that I will remember. I won't forget this day because today is the day that things will turn around for me in the way I think, the way I process things, and in the way I trust Jesus. As we look at Romans 8.28, 8, it says that we all, we, 
try this again. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We are all called. But if you say yes, you are chosen. It is in your yes that God moves abundantly. But all of us are called. The thing is that most of us have answered the call, but some of us are still rejecting it. And the thing with that is that rather you say no or whether you say yes, God's going to use you to make an impact in somebody's life. But wouldn't you rather be on the side of the yes? You don't want to reflect and say, man, like I saw God do something, but why is my life so jacked up? When you can just say my life is jacked up, but I say yes to the call. There's a whole different thing when it comes to grace and mercy. Like you can, you can have the grace of the no, but you still feel messed up and dirty. Or you can say yes and be on the other side of grace that says it is the power of Christ that empowers me to be who I am. And nothing that I do, nothing that I think matters. It is Jesus and Christ alone. That's all that matters. Now, let's look at the Bible, right? It has plenty of characters in there. Let me say there's plenty of men and women in the Bible that uh, are flawed, made mistakes, and yet God used them to do what they were doing. He called them to do the things that we read about that are powerful, but yet we still see that the flaws of man got in the way, but God's greater than that, so he still moved and used them to do what he was supposed to do. So we have Abraham. Abraham used to be, the, used to be a pagan, came from a pagan family, lived in a pagan community, and he knew nothing about God. It was just him doing what he does on a normal basis. Heard God call him, said yes to the call. God changed his name, changed his identity from, Ab from Abram to Abraham, and to this day, his promises are still coming forth, and he made him the father of many nations. He used Moses. Moses, a person that kept complaining, I can't do it, I can't do it, my speech is all jacked up, right? He's just complaining, coming up with all kinds of excuses, but when he finally stepped forward into what God called him to do, he set God's people free. He wrote the Ten Commandments in which pretty much every law on earth has been, you know, it's been the foundation of that, and that's just where we find our moral compass as believers, is the Ten Commandments. And then we have the little shepherd boy, David, who became king. Numbers of moral failures. But then God still saw the innermost part of his heart and said, this is a man after my own heart. God used his lineage to bring Jesus to the earth. Wrote Psalms. We still are looking at Psalms. People are starting to write songs from Psalms. Like We're seeing some great things. And Psalms is a reflection of how most of us feel. Also a reflection of how we praise and thank God and how we overcome battles through our praise. And then this is one that we could all, I guess, come into uh, an agreement with, right? We can kind of relate to this. He chose a small town like Nazareth to birth Jesus, a town that literally was said nothing good comes out of Nazareth. How many times do we hear that about, our, about Dunkirk and Fredonia? What's the Dunkirk and Fredonia? Nothing comes out of it. It's just a big old lake, Right? said it many times, but I believe that God's going to use these two towns and cities, if not this whole county, to birth such a great move of God. I believe it. I remember when we used to pray for hours. We were at a, a youth ministry called The Brick, and we would sit there and have service at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, full of sweat, praying, and just pressing in. And what seemed like was probably too far away to attain, God allowed me to see it a couple years after where we did a, there was a tent revival that took place at the county, and as, as, the, uh, as we heard worship and everything else, I, I felt it in my spirit, like, 
I'm doing something now. I'm moving in the prayer of my people. I'm moving. So God is going to do something great. Just don't give up. Just know that if he can use a place like Nazareth and make it well-known, he'll do it here. Now, these are three things that I believe. And I had to pray about this and put it together. I didn't want it to sound cliche. I wanted to make sure that it was from God, that it's something that we can reflect on, something that we can all relate to. And these three things, I believe that if we change the perspective on them, it's going to change our minds instantly. We have the past. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Next Sunday, we're going to be doing a baptism. It's a perfect opportunity for some of us to just lay it all down in the grave. The water is a representation of the grave. So when we go in, we die to the old ways. When we come back up, we are made new in Christ. I believe that his word has reassured us that the past has no power over who God has made us to be by his blood. His blood has covered us, and who we once were doesn't matter anymore. And I want to remind you about something. I'm going to say this one slowly, so if you guys want to take notes. Your past is not your future. And your current moment is not your past. So again, your past is not your future, and your current moment is not your past. What do I mean by that? Is that who you are today is not who you are, and who you are today is not who you're going to be in the future. You will change, but how you trust God, how you live for Christ will determine what your future looks like. So worry about today. Worry about who you are. Don't worry about what the future goals look like. What is today? Paul says that the only goal he looked to was the promises of God. He looked at what the heavenly call was, and that was his focus. It wasn't like, what does my tent business look like tomorrow? Uh, How many churches are we going to plant the next day? It was none of that stuff. It was like, what is God's calling for my life? And I'm going to reflect on that. That's what Paul did. And once your mind catches up to what God is doing in your life, then you will see the goodness of God. I believe that some of us are seeing glimpse, right? We get a job. Ooh, God is good. We get a nice little bonus check. Ooh, God is good. We buy a brand new car or a used car at the lot. Yo, God is good. The tire falls off that car. Man, yo, God, what did I do wrong, man? Like, what, why are you doing this to me? Why aren't you not blessing me? Right? You lose a job. God, like, what? Man, God, I needed that money. Why? You know what I'm saying? But you have to reflect. You, your, your mind has to catch up to what God is doing so that no matter what happens, he is always good. So no matter the lows and the highs, his goodness is always upon you. It's all about perspective, changing your mind. I like what Billy Graham says. He says, that don't be bound by the past and its failures, but don't forget its lessons either. So doesn't say forget where you came from, but don't be bound by it. The future, only the past has the power that you give it. But if you give Christ lordship over your life, the past has nothing to him. Because he is God. He is powerful. He's mighty. And there's nothing greater than him. There's a song that I heard this morning, worship song, that it says... Um, I forgot the title of it, but I, I, he said, when my problems become God problems, in other words, it become greater than what I can handle, I give it to him, yeah. right? I give my problems to him when they become God problems. I say this, every problem is a God problem. Don't try to fight the things that you shouldn't be fighting. 
if anything, your only focus should be is, God, what do you want me to do? Just deal with the rest. You might see some, you're going to see it. You're going to see it, but how you respond to it is what matters. Uh, what we say response is everything. How you respond to what God's telling you to do or how you respond to life, that's, it's, it's everything. It's everything. It, what you could take 10, 10 steps forward and your response can take you 10 steps back. It all depends on you. But what does the word of God says? That's something that you need to focus on. The present. I like this one here. I, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I, there was a season in my life where I just kept just getting into this word and, and just kept just telling myself the same word every time. And it's in Matthew chapter 6, 33 through verse 34. And it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is an old Bible. The word that everybody says, oh, this is irrelevant. Sure, are you sure? Because I tell you right now, tomorrow still has problems. Right? Tomorrow still has problems of its own. You can wake up in a good mood and snap of a finger, something changes, and there goes the rest of your day. So even, the, so even a second is the future, and it can change in an instant. You just don't know. But seek God's kingdom first. Seek God's kingdom first. And everything else that you need for that moment will be provided. If it's chaos, there'll be peace in the storm. If it's lack, he'll give you everything you need. If it's health, he'll give you the health that you need to keep pushing forward. If it's depression, he'll give you the peace of mind. If it's fear, he'll give you the power. He'll give you the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So whatever you need, God will provide as you seek him. You've overcome your past, but what is God drawing you to today? What is he calling you to? I'm not the only one here with a calling on my life. Pastor Billy is not the only one with a calling in his life. Bree's not the only one with a calling on his life. Everyone here has a calling on his life, but what is God drawing you to? What voices are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of God or are you listening to the voice of your past? And I believe that you don't need to be a seasoned Christian to hear the voice of God. You don't need to be seasoned. You don't need to be doing this for years. I I know, I'm sure you guys heard of, of, of Isaiah Saldivar. That dude got saved. And in a matter of a, a, a year or so, God used them in a mighty way. It's not about age. It's not about timing. It's about what God wants to do with your obedience and your yes. So what is he calling you to? Even Paul, even Paul, the person that was persecuting the churches, when God appeared to him, the first thing he said was like, who are you, Lord? He said, who are you, Lord? That was what Paul said. He might have known it was Jesus at the moment because Jesus came and introduced himself afterwards, but he knew that the voice that he heard was not just my voice, was not just his homie's voice. It was the voice of God. It was different. It was powerful. It stood out, and it had authority. So I believe that when God is speaking to you, you will know. There's no ifs, ands, or buts because God will get his point across. He's not, a, he's not a God of mistakes or confusion. And I believe that the present is the perfect opportunity to leave your past mistakes at the feet of the cross so that the only weight that you are carrying into the future is the weight of his glory. This is an analogy that I came up with this morning. It was good. When you're going to get into an airplane, the bags have to be within a certain weight. You cannot go over that. I'm assuming that the science behind it is that this plane can crash if you got too much weight. You got to consider the weight of the people. You got to consider the weight of your baggage. 
And if you are disobedient with that, sorry, buddy, you ain't flying, or your bags are going to get left behind. You have a choice. So I believe that's the way the calling is, that there are some things that you cannot take with you to your next destination. They carry a weight that can cause damage, if not take everybody out that's with you. If you are not listening to the voice of God, the people that God called you to can be in harm's way. They could be casualties when you are not doing what God called you to do. So I believe that that analogy would fit perfect there because, again, you cannot get into an airplane without too much weight. Some of us are coming to the altar every single day and have been picking up the very thing we laid down. How many of y'all dig into your pocket and took everything out? I'm like, oh, yeah, I need that quarter back. Uh, I need my AirPods back. I, I need this back. We're, everything we're emptying out our pockets from, we're putting it back. And then we're saying, okay, that's, that's least important. That, that's least important. But God is saying, if, I'm, if whatever you take out, leave it here. There is nothing that is in you right now that you can take with you to the future. There's nothing there. We can't come to the altar, expect to change, and then take back the thing that we want him to change. That's not the way the change of God works. It's you, I need you to give up what you gained yourself and take on what I'm giving you. Because what I've given you is not going to take into the future. Again, character. Your character will not take into your future. Because what you do in the future with the old character will destroy you and anybody else. We're seeing it happen to many pastors where they're taking in their old characters, their sinful ways, their lust, and everything else, and then... They can't even control it because they've never surrendered it to God, and now they are on a big platform causing a mess. Causing a big mess because they have not let go of the past. They haven't sat there and brought it completely to Jesus, and if they did, they put it back in their pocket. we got to move on from that. Matthew eleven thirty. 30, just to back that up, it says that take upon my yoke. This is Jesus speaking. Take upon my yoke and learn from me because I am lonely and humble at heart, and I will find, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I know that I know that life can get tough. I know that I know that if you give up certain things, pains, and let your guard down, that you're scared to get hurt. I know there are some pains that, that we've been that's just been dead to us that they hurt. We can't deny that. If I was to hold on. To pass hurts against my wife, I will never be able to love her the way I'm called to love her. I can't take high school pains and bring it into adulthood. It don't work that way. You can't be a child trying to be a, a man. You can't do that. You can't be a child trying to be a woman. It doesn't work that way. I, again, we know that past the hurt, especially when you're a kid. Like We can't take pain and properly process it. We just know that it hurts. And we just know that we don't want that again. And we can't process those things, but we need to allow Jesus to search our inner hearts. Search our hearts deep. Look for those things that are causing pain. Look for those things that are, are, are just becoming a distraction. And Jesus will remove those things, but he's also going to allow you to see those things so that you can know what it did to you so that you can move in to what the future has. God is not, if God wants to be a magician, you do it. But you need to know why the pain was caused, why you need Jesus, and why you needed to let go. That's how healing comes through. Like, this is not an easy walk. You have to go through the pain of your past so that you can go through the 
pain of, the fu- of, of your current moment so that when you get into the future, those things are left behind. You can't hold on to those things. And I believe there, if there's ever a, a moment to seek God's perfect will for your life, it should be today. It should be now. It should be this very second as I'm preaching that you're already processing, processing everything. That at a moment where our mistakes are a thing of the past and the future is so unknown, that today is the best moment to know what the will of God is for your life. So whatever that thought is going through your process, man, just start, laying, just start letting it go right now. The future, we're going to use a very, very famous verse that we all know. We could debate whether it was just for Jeremiah, and I believe this is a word that we could all chew on for ourselves. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you. Listen to this. This is the Lord's declaration. Not the man's declaration. This is the Lord's declaration for your life. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, and to give you a future and a hope. This is a declaration from God that's saying, I want the best for you. Everything that you need, I have it ready for you. But let go of your baggage. Let go of your past. Because I have what is good for you. The future when you are in Christ should, be, should make you excited. It shouldn't feel like a burden. It should, it should make you very excited that he saved you from who you were, has changed your life in the present, and has already taken care of the future. He saved you from who you were, protected you today, and already has taken care of tomorrow. Tomorrow is already taken care of. He knows what you need before you ask it. That's Bible. Your thoughts should never, ever pull you from your calling. And if anything, your, your thoughts should remind you of why you say yes to the calling. What does that mean? That who God saved you from is the reason why you say yes the first time. Let that be the same reason why you continuously say yes. Things don't change, right? It shouldn't change who you are. If anything, it should make you press it even further. It should just make you press even further and just be like, God, that's not who I am. You've already taken those things. I will not believe the lie of the enemy speaking over my life. I say yes to the call, no matter what. Philippians 6, 1, or 1, 6 says, I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete until the end of the day that Christ comes, until Jesus comes back, right? What Jesus started in your life, whether it might seem like it takes years, he's still finishing the work in you. I know. It could be heartening. It could be disheartening when you feel like, man, this is not where I want to be. I I need to be up there right now. Like, I I know this is not who I am. I I need to be over there. I need to be this person. And and I know I don't look like this person, but I need to look like this person. And I know that, that, that there's more for me, but where is it? Be patient. Worry about the moment. Look at what God's doing with you in the current moment because he's doing a work in you. It doesn't say that it's going to be done before he comes. He's going to be doing it until he comes. And then when we all finally set our place in heaven, all things will be made new. So, again, I'm not saying that things are going to get easy. I'll never promise that. I can tell you, I've been doing this for quite some time, and I'm telling you right now, it doesn't get easy. But when God holds things well together, there's not a storm that can shake you. A house that is built very well, when windstorms come, it's not going anywhere. Let's look at Jesus. He was in a boat, 
where the thing was rocking. And he got up and spoke to the storm, and they calmed down. If you trust Jesus, there's no storm that can ever, ever rock you, take you off your rocker because the authority of Christ is in you. You got to look at the difference right now. Before Christ died, before the Holy Spirit came, they, were, they, they needed to be in the presence of Christ only. Now the presence of Christ is in us. And where we go, his authority comes with us. And the, the, the storms that we speak to in his name have to stop. The things that are happening in his name have to stop. This should never, should never scare, the unknown should never scare you. I know that we know when things are not tangible and we don't see things or have control, it gets scary. But it should never scare you because the author and the finisher of your faith is your everlasting father. That is who called you. Do not be scared of the unknown because the finisher and the author of your faith is your everlasting father. Romans is probably one of the most powerful books. And it deals with this quite extensively. And I believe that uh, this verse right here is something that we all need to reflect on. And I pray that it changes your mindset in the instant. And it's Romans 8, verse 38 to 39. And it says, For I am convinced that nothing can never separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above, excuse me, or in the, or in the earth below indeed. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen, just because you struggle to love yourself doesn't mean that God gave up on you. Just because you struggle to accept the fact that he's changed your life, it doesn't mean that he hasn't stopped. There's a lot of us that are still not believing that God has set us free. There's a lot of us that are still believing the lie of Satan over your life every day. I'm telling you, he loves you, has forgiven you. You need to sit on that. You need to trust that. If, if he is saying that not even the angels can separate you from, from the love of God, not even the demons that torment you can separate you from the love of God, what does that mean? That no matter where you are, what you do, my hand is on you. But you have to fall in line with who he says that you are. You need to reflect on who he is. I'm telling you, we all have a past, but we all have a current state, and that is that we are not who we used to be, whether it wasn't in Christ or whether it was with Christ. God is still good then. He's still good now. Even in a mess, he's still good. And even when we are with him, he's even better because we get to see his goodness. Shame should never be in the way, ever. Because the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 11, that anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Anyone who believes in him, Jesus, will never be put to shame. I know, I know. It's not a normal thing. Culture has a different thing. Everybody wants to uh, do chakras and burn sage and all this different stuff. But sorry, man. Jesus is the only answer. You want peace? Give it to Jesus. You want to feel free of your shame? Give it to Jesus. You want to get rid of bad energy? Give it to Jesus. Jesus will cover you. He'll guide you. He'll protect you. You want boldness? Jesus will give it to you. You want courage? Jesus will give it to you. You want peace that surpasses all understanding? Jesus will give it to you. 
Everything that you need is in Christ. That is what he came on earth to do. He came to show you that everything is at your disposal. Died so that your sin can no longer be the thing blocking you. And rose again so that you can see that you're no longer sustained to that. That you are coming back to life because it is in Christ where the old things die and the things become new. Everything you need is sustained in the name of Jesus. And if you do want to think about the past, because we all sometimes look back, right? But what, what are you looking back to? What are you reflecting? What does that past look like? I like what, what, what Paul said to the church of Philippians here, and that's in 4.8. And he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He didn't say whatever is negative, whatever is depressing, whatever is gives me anxiety, whatever uh, pulls me away from God, whatever makes me a terrible family member or friend. It doesn't say reflect on those things. It says that whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there's anything worthy of praise, think on those things. I know, the past is hard, I know, I'm telling you, I know. I'm not, I'm not preaching this because I'm, I'm the exception. Dude, I had to rewrite this thing like five times. I had to. Because every time I read it, I'm just like, this is tough, it's tough. There's things that I, it was hard to talk about. There was things that, that I was trying to kind of maneuver around, but the Spirit of God kept convicting me, so I had to stick to what God wanted me to talk about. I know, man, I'm telling you, I made mistakes that I wish I could take back. I do. But I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for me just letting those things go. I can't change them. You can't go back. You can't go back. The only thing you can go back to is making sure that Jesus is the center. That's the only thing you can go back to is if you get ahead of God, that you stop, take a step back, or say, Lord, I'm all right, Lord, I'm behind you. That's the only thing you can go back to. You cannot go back to your past. You can't change anybody. You can't raise your, 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 uh, your loved ones from, from the grave. You can't. Those, those things are past. What does today look like? What does today look like? What is Christ calling you to? What, is that, what, what does that look like right now? If you close your eyes right now and, and the Holy Spirit was speaking to you, what, what would that look like? What does that look like? Is it the struggle of addiction in your mind? Let it go. Is it lust? Right? You can't look at a woman without thinking anything wrong. Let that go. Lay that at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to talk about some real things right now. What does that look like? Because we're dealing with real problems. It's the anger. Leave it at the feet of Jesus. God's been shaking a lot of you for a while. And you keep picking up the same thing that falls out of your pocket. He's been shaking those things because they need to go. At, one, at some point, it has to violently come out. Because God is calling you for greater things. If you love somebody, right, you won't give up on them. If you love somebody, you ain't going to let them just be in the trenches. You're going to do whatever it takes to help them come out of it. That's, that's love. That's unconditional love because you're not saying, listen, if you change your life today, then I'll come back for you. It's like, no, we're going to fight this thing together. You need to let this thing go. This battle is taking the best of you, but we're going to win this war. We're going to win this war. 
You want to pray? In a moment, I'm going to open up the altars. Like I said, I know this is not an easy thing to reflect on. I know that, that we don't ever want to go back to the past. But I'm looking at some of your faces and I, I, I know that this is necessary. I know that this is the moment that you've been longing for, a moment to hear somebody tell you that I've been through it too and that there is a way around it and that's to surrender to Jesus. That easy? Yes, that easy. Will problems go away? Probably not. But will they devour you? I can guarantee you, no. Will they make you a worse person? I can guarantee you, no. Because there's a power of Jesus that's just been dwelling on you. The power of love, the power of grace, the power of mercy has been sitting on you. There's some people in here that have been wondering, why, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like no matter much, how much I want to walk away from God, why, why is he not letting me? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. There's some of you that are called to a, a higher calling. There are some of you that are called to a community. And there's some of you that are called to the world. Whoa, but who, like, what is God calling you to? Like, what does that look like? What does that look like? Like, outside of looking at a pastor preach, outside of looking at me preach, like, what does that look like for you? I'm not the exception. The Bible says that many are called and few are chosen. And it's not because he just said, okay, you're born to be this, and you're born to just have a bad law. Many are called, which is all of us, but the chosen are the ones that say yes. Meaning what? You have a choice. You have a choice. I will not sit here and tell you that things are going to get better. I will not do that because I'd be lying. Because things have still gotten crazy for me at times. But there's peace that dwells in my life. There's peace that dwells in my heart that I can sit there and just take a deep breath and say, okay, God, I see you in this. I'll let you take the wheel. I'll let you do what you have to do, and I'm going to just follow. And this peace will just fall on you. That's the difference. That's the difference. Because I know that when I wasn't trusting Christ, I was trying to come up with answers, try to figure things out and, and put them in their place. And what happens, like, like what's, that, what's that thing when you pull the bricks out and they fall apart? Jenga, whatever you call it, Jenga. Bro, it's building, 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 building. No firm foundation. You know, you're just trying to pull out the bricks. Okay, well, maybe this will fix the problem. Maybe I'll put this one here and fix the problem. Okay, well, maybe it might be too heavy up top. Let me get this one here and put it here before you know it collapse. Because you did it on your own. God needs to just tear everything down. Let him just come in and swack it. Like, like here comes a little kid out of nowhere. Bow, just ruin the whole game. <laughs> just, just let him come in and just ruin the whole game. Let them set you on firm foundation and build you up. I guarantee you there will be no holes in it. The walls will be nice and tight. And nothing will be able to break you. Nothing will be able to break you.